This episode is brought to you by Legalite Horizons. Are you looking to create a life you love? Legalite Horizons is a new model which gives principal level lawyers the platform to grow their practice and personal brand, all while being fully supported. You'll join a recognised, award-winning firm and have access to support staff, existing infrastructure and systems, one-on-one mentoring, and still get to keep the lion's share of what you bill. If you're looking for freedom and flexibility to practice the way you want, get in touch for a confidential discussion. Visit legalite.com.au forward slash horizons. Concentrate on the why. Why do you want to do it differently? What's the problem that you're solving? Why is that any different? Why is your solution the right solution? And why is that any different than anybody else? And I think if you can be really clear on the why, it's going to stop you making mistakes like leaving traditional practice for the wrong reasons. You know, for example, thinking that it means you're going to have all this extra time. <laughs> necessarily. But I think if you're clear about your why, your personal why why you're going out and doing these things, it will cause you to stop and think about every single part along the way. Like, why get practice management software? Why do we need to have that? Like, do, do you have to have it? It's just always coming back to the why. You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm your host, Lucy Dickens, and I have another really fantastic guest to share with you today. I'm joined by Carly Stebbing, the principal and founder of Resolution 123, an online law firm for employees. Carly describes herself as a workplace advocate, passionate about making justice accessible to the average Australian. And she describes Resolution 123 as making employment law quick, simple, and affordable for employees. How's that for an elevator pitch? I thought I would talk to Carly mostly about her really cool web app and the way that she interacts with her clients. But what I discovered is that Carly has a serious depth of knowledge about running a legal practice as a business in the true sense of the word that I always talk about. She talks about finding a gap in the market and working out how to service it. She talks about learning from other industries. She talks about what a client-centric approach really looks like. There is a lot of gold in this, so I know that you will love it as much as I did, and I really appreciate Carly sharing it all with us. Enjoy. Hello, Carly. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. As your name very nicely suggests, Resolution 123 breaks legal advice for employees down into three steps. And I thought those three steps could be a really good structure for this conversation. So can you start by briefly telling us what those three steps are? Sure. So we like to say that they're effectively that they are assess, assemble and accelerate the resolution of your employment law claim. So um, the first step is to use our web application which is something that I developed when I was on maternity leave with my second baby, as you do. And the the web application basically was the first of its kind that helps an employee identify if they have an employment law claim, specifically if they have an unfair dismissal or general protections or workplace claim. And in effect, it's like the virtual initial consult that you would have with the client. So it's sort of a sophisticated mind map of all the questions I would be asking someone if they were sitting across from me. And as I hear them hit certain trigger points or it disqualifies them from one claim, it moves them on to determine if they have the next one. And the idea behind it was that 
One, I didn't think it should be so difficult for employees to work out the answer to their very first question about mm-hmm. whether they actually had a claim. Yeah. Um, and two, I think that's a massive obstacle to justice for an individual is that they find interacting with a lawyer intimidating. And so if you can empower them with a little bit of information, which means that they can actually identify no like you know on, a, on an initial basis if they're eligible it, it can't identify what their prospects look like but it will identify if they're eligible to proceed with a claim then that that's the that's the first part of it I imagine that access to justice and being able to find a lawyer and get that advice quickly is probably even more important in your practice area because I don't know very much about employment law but I do know that in lots of cases they only have 21 days if they want to make a claim and that's not a very long time if you need to go and first find a lawyer and then make an appointment to go and meet with one and then try and understand if you've actually got a claim like you say and then work out can I afford this and all the kinds of questions that they'd have to be dealing with so I'm, I'm taking from your nodding that people can't see but, but Carly's nodding at me so that must mean that I'm on the right track that has something to do with the reason why you set this up yeah exactly so something that I'd had in the back of my mind just that you know it's such a common issue around people just saying do it like you know coming to me at a dinner party you're out with friends Carly do you like is there something in this do you think I have a claim and so my yeah. first instinct was it shouldn't be so hard to answer yeah. that first question and then funnily enough in 2017 The Law Society here in New South Wales had actually commissioned a report into the future of law and innovation in the profession, and they identified in that report that, one, access to justice was becoming a reaching crisis point. That's not a problem that's um, unique to New South Wales or even Australia. It's a worldwide issue that basically lawyers had effectively priced themselves out of a number of markets, and that what they did was they identified what they called the missing middle. And so the way I like to put it is that basically it's it's an individual individual that they they're literally the average Australians they're earning about $80,000 a year which means that effectively disqualifies them from being able to go to their community legal center or to go to legal aid they earn too much for that and yet too little to be able to afford traditional practice so with most firms charging people a quite a lump sum for an individual so upwards of you know six seven eight hundred dollars for an initial consult to do in part what the web application is doing for free qualifying the claim then it asks them from being able to access uh, access justice so in effect you've got people that are the average Australian they're earning somewhere between 65,000 and say 120 or 150 and they can't access free support and they can't afford traditional legal services so I'd had the idea that it needed to be delivered in a simpler way. And then this report came down. I was like, well, that validates that there's absolutely market here and it's a large mm, market. Definitely. And I'm interested in solving that problem because I didn't believe that there were current offerings that were dealing, you know, that were doing that. Yeah. And it's opened up a whole market for you, hasn't it? It has, yes. I think that the the use of the application combined with those other steps, which are the second and third steps of our process, our, our system, is what's helped open the market. So it's the, yeah. it's the combination of the use of the application, which then, um, and in effect, what that means is that when we get the results, the person submits the, the results of their application to us, in effect, what we have on our desk is a red hot brief. We have all yeah. of the key information that we know we need in order to proceed and that means that we can really quickly offer a quote all that's delivered to us to our email system so it means that I can have a lawyer working from anywhere at any time receiving this information when the person sends it through so at a time that suits them that can then look at it and and provide the quote to the client and the combination of using the technology 
And using the flexible work practices means that we can offer upfront fixed fees that are substantially less than traditional practice. There's a hell of a lot in there. So I'm going to unpack that last few minutes as you've been explaining what makes you different. So let's keep going. What kind of response have you had to this form from your customers as they've been using it? So it's interesting. There's a combination, I think, of, um, you know, there's always going to be a human element to law. There's a lot of things that we can automate, but there's absolutely a part that people still want to have an interaction with an individual, which is why that second step around scoping usually does include a phone call to the client to sort of revet some of the information and, and just give them that personal element. But in terms of the response to the setup of the firm and the application, it's been tremendous in that I very much set it up as a startup. Let's just throw this solution out there and see whether it gets any traction. And, you know, we, I was quickly at capacity and within six months of launching, hired my first full-time staff member. And within six to 12 months of that, hired a second full-time staff member. We have um, additional support on a contract basis for lawyers all around the country, actually, when we have more work that we can manage um, between us. And it's also quickly gained the trust of trusted partners. So Legal Vision are a referral partner of ours and we're also a partner of the Workplace Advice Service with the Fair Work Commission. So I think that the demonstrated capacity alongside this technology that's really easy to use and can be used when the person's comfortable doing it in the comfort of their home that really empowers them to help them make a decision has gained good traction. Another thing that I see as an outsider is that you've, because you've you've gone out and said, I'm an employment lawyer for employees, I'm not an employment lawyer for everybody. And at least from what I see, that means that your name is always referred because there is always everywhere in any online forum, somebody asking a question about, you know, I need an employment lawyer or my friend needs an employment lawyer. And they're always asking for the employee. And every time I see one of those questions, it always has your name tagged on it because everybody knows that Carly is the lawyer for employees. So as an outsider, it appears that that niche has been a really good way of helping to build your brand and that referral network because you have become the go-to person. I think that making that decision to be an employment lawyer for employers, which is actually interesting because my history is not that. In fact, I was on the respondent side of the fence until I resigned from partnership in a traditional practice to set up this firm. Yeah. But that experience, I think, offers a unique perspective to bring to matters and I think it's part of what helps us be able to resolve matters really quickly because we have the insight into how an employer would be thinking or dealing with the matter. Mm. I think it from a branding perspective as you mentioned it helps sets us apart. It's also I think the reality that in terms of practice employment law firms that don't really position themselves as an applicant firm are probably primarily doing respondent work and the reality is is that without the use of technology and certain different practices and systems, the respondent work has always been seen as the work that generates the most money. And so if you were going to go set up an employment law firm, it makes sense to want to do the respondent work because you get repeat instructions, you know, they'll pay the higher rates. And so that's in part why we had to, if I was going to come into the market and do something different, I wanted to do it because I thought there was a real problem that I was solving. There's a, a big market there in order to do it and we need the technology and the systems to be able to move through the volume to ensure that we're still doing it in a way that makes it commercially viable to do it for us. Brilliant makes sense doesn't it it's good 
So let's talk about step number two, which you called assemble. And I understand that's the part where you speak to them if you're going to have the phone call and put the quote together. Now, I was playing around with your online form last night because I wanted to see what it looked like. And I had all sorts of problems as an employee and I tested out and I saw kind of how your decision tree was going. It was good fun. I didn't submit any, so you wouldn't have got any false false leads. Glad it was <laughs> but it was working. I, I was having great fun. So step two is get a quote. And you say you give quotes within 24 hours of submitting an inquiry. And the obvious question I have is what do you have in place in the back end to make sure that that happens? What do you do if it's a weekend or how do you deliver on that? The whole team gets notified when someone submits an inquiry. And I'm just going to be completely frank about the fact that it's not an automated system. So it's automated in that that inquiry gets sent out to the whole team to make Mm. sure that we've got our best chance of coming back in the required um, time frame. But the reality is sometimes we'll look at it and we'll immediately be able to send out a quote, in which case that's nice and easy. Other times there's obviously information missing. So what we do is we then would follow up with setting up a phone call with the person that's we call it a 15 minute scope and quote call basically so that's where we just get any additional information some of the systems sitting behind all of that is the web application was built on wordpress we don't use practice management software we operate on g suite we use google drive to save our documentation and Trying to think, and and the uh, web application was built off Gravity Forms with some um, customized code. So that Gravity Form comes to us as an email, has all of the information that you've entered, every answer that you have. So we've got the whole lot there, plus any uploaded documents. And that's what we then use to scope and quote. We send out our cost agreements and our scopes from zero. And we send the quote out from there. So the person then gets it, an electronic copy of it. They can accept it or decline it online and we get notified when it's accepted and then we can proceed from there. Great. I didn't expect that it was going to be an automated system. I think that's one thing that I would imagine your customers actually like is that you say a lawyer is going to get hold of this and we're going to look at it and then we're going to give you a quote or we're going to call you. You're not trying to pretend that everything behind the scenes is automated and I would have thought that that's actually a good thing. People want to know that they're dealing with you. So thank you for sharing what you've used. I've actually used all of the things, WordPress, Gravity Forms, all of those things I have had some experience with. And it's nice to know that you're able to provide this service. You're not using the latest and greatest whiz-bang technology. You're using things that we all have access to every day. Yeah, and it's not, it's mainly not customized either. So we got some good advice when we were setting up around that, you know, and we've actually always had, we got a referral to a fabulous web developer who's very entrepreneurial spirited himself. And all of the mentoring and, and advice that we've had is that, you know, if you can do something built on a system that already exists, yeah, then do that. Do that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Feeling inspired, but unsure how to translate that inspiration into change in your firm. Or maybe you have ideas to shake up your business, but you're having a hard time implementing them. Well, I can help. After 10 years leading law firm development and change, I'm now helping others to do the same. My coaching programs are designed to help you redesign your business to create a simple but significant and sustainable business that will skyrocket your success. Let me help you do law differently. Visit lucydickens.com.au forward slash coach to find out more. So when you send your quotes, you said to me before a few minutes ago that your services cost less than those of a lawyer in traditional practice. How are you able to provide your services for less? And I guess also why? I know you've spoken about appealing to that that missing middle. And so you want to set your prices in some ways at their price point, but why and how? 
Okay, so the way that we're able to do it is very much the combination of the use of the web application up front. So that cuts down an immediate, you know, all of the information that that collects would traditionally have been collected in an initial paid console. Yes. So straight off the bat, the person's probably saved around $700 in terms of, you know, the process of the collection of that information coming to the lawyer. Then we use flexible work practices. So I was just mentioning to you off air before that um, we work from a co-working space when we're in an office. But actually, at the moment, I'm the only one here from my team. So both of my teams have been awful weather in Sydney and both of my team are working from the safety of their homes today rather than having to trudge out in the in the storms. And that's actually quite common. We will work from home. We might work from a co-working space. But as a consequence, we don't have the overheads that we would otherwise have in traditional practice. We're a virtual practice. We don't work paperless practice. I mentioned before that we don't use practice management software. And we're very conscious in every decision that we make about not accelerating our overheads that then have to be passed on in your cost to clients. So the combination of the technology, the lower overheads that are enabled by the flexible work practices mean that we can still offer market rates to our lawyers. That's not where we're compromising. And the firm is still profitable, but the client isn't paying for things that we don't think that they need. And it does mean that there are compromises then on the way that the service offering is delivered. So there are absolutely some people that would prefer to come into an established office and sit in the comfort of a beautiful office space and and have that experience. We don't think that providing services in that way is going to open up the market to the people that couldn't otherwise afford the services. So That's really important for me. It's important for me to keep the price point as low as possible while still ensuring that the firm is sustainable and profitable because we set out to service a market that can't afford traditional legal services. And if we take the approach of just tacking the prices up, 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 you know, on a year-on-year basis, we will do what had already happened. We will ultimately price ourselves back out of the market that we set out to service. Mm. Let's talk some more about that part, how you work with your clients because step number three of resolution one two three is what I just learned accelerate did I get it right I tried to scribble them down quickly but you call on your website partner with your lawyer and I like that you use this partner with us instead of engage us or let us take over or however because you're you're really clear in your messaging that we're going to tackle this together what are some things about the lawyer client relationship some ways that you deal with your clients that distinguish you from traditional law I know you've touched on the online form but in terms of the ongoing engagement I guess there's two different ways that we are different, although I think that, we're, that makes us different. One is just that intake process um, and the fact that we're virtual. So, you know, a lot of clients love that. It means that they can they will interact with us by telephone or by email at times that suit them or we can have video meetings. I think consequently by the nature that interactions tend to be shorter and at times that are convenient to them. Mm-hmm. So there's all of those things that mean that, in some ways, we're more accessible to the individual than otherwise might be the case. You know, they don't have to come into a city premises in order to see us. But then I think the other way is actually just the method in which, so part of it is the technology that we're using, the systems that we use. But then the other part of it is, I guess, leveraging from, I mentioned before, the fact that I, you know, I had that, you know, for 13 odd years, I was working for respondents. So part of it is as soon as the person's explaining a problem to me, 
I'm already thinking about the solution in terms of, okay, commercially, what would I be telling the employer in these circumstances? That means that I kind of know certain trigger points to be able to resolve something in the most commercially viable way. And I think maybe that something that can get a little bit lost is we really listen to lawyers can get into a a mode of delivery, which is very much, I'm the lawyer, I'm going to tell you how this matter is going to be run, and this is what the outcomes you should expect. We tend to start more from, okay, this is the problem that you're having. How do you want it to be resolved? Definitely. And how can we get to, and this, look, I've taken this approach where I, when I was working for respondents as well, but it's very much about saying, what's the end game here and how can we get to that most quickly? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes can be a little bit uncomfortable, not for the client, they tend to love it. It can be a little bit bristling or uncomfortable for colleagues in the profession or people that are more accustomed to that traditional means of delivery of law, you know, where they want to do the, the beautiful long written advice and, and that type of thing. It can be a little bit bristling or um, confronting when you sort of seem to be cut into the chase quickly on matters. But again, that's part of one, I think, what makes us different and mean that we can get to results faster. And two, again, it's about cutting down on unnecessary time spent on matters. When you hire staff and you bring them into your team, assuming that they've come from a traditional law background, how do you help them to refocus and start to see things from that perspective, saying, you know, working out what it is that the customer wants instead of following the traditional lawyer, like you said before, these are the outcomes, this is what you can expect. Because a lot of people who are practicing law in different ways struggle with, I guess, retraining people who have come from traditional firms to change the way that they practice. What do you do there? So our hiring strategy is around the reality is I don't I don't think that we that I have the time necessarily or the inclination to retrain somebody that doesn't already have that mindset about the delivery of legal services. So our hiring strategy has been partnering with community legal centres because lawyers that go into those community legal centres, one, already have demonstrated a desire to work for a social purpose firm. So in that way, you know, they've demonstrated that they want to be working for an entity like ours, which is not about being a corporate commercial firm or dealing with corporate commercial entities entities but rather solving individual problems and aiding this access to justice crisis that we keep kind of coming back to so that to me that's one that you know that they've they've entered there that means they've already demonstrated that commitment to sort of our cause around our mission which is you know to take employment law on mass to the Australian you know the average Australian and then the second aspect of that is that community legal centres are brilliant in terms of the exposure that a law student or PLT student or a practicing lawyer gets to the individual. So from the very get-go there, you're dealing with intake, you're speaking to the individual, you will sit in on advice sessions and junior lawyers will quite commonly sit in on meetings with clients, potentially even on their own, and then have to pause the meeting to go out and speak to the, the principal of the practice. But So our recruitment strategy has been around that. We partner with the community legal centres who get, you know, a lot of um, interest from individuals but don't have the resources to keep them on in a paid capacity. And so, in fact, you know, Genevieve and Rachel, who are both our full-time recruits, came from Redfern Legal Centre, Marrickville Legal Centre, and one of our newest recruits that will be starting with us also was at, you know, Western Sydney Legal Centre. So that's been the way that we do it. And then we also, our senior lawyers have come out of senior, uh, similar channels. So the locum solicitors or senior lawyers that we have on to take up um, extra capacity also tend to have come from that same background. So really it's about identifying 
that they've had a similar They've demonstrated the commitment to the, to the social purpose and they've already had that exposure to clients because you're right, to take a lawyer, in a, from, from my experience as a junior lawyer, I got bundled away in a back office somewhere. I was delegated instructions from a supervising solicitor and rarely had direct client interactions. So that just wouldn't work here because we can't have a top-heavy system. We have to have a system where part of the other part of how we're able to offer it is that we've got these great junior lawyers on the ground that doing most of the grunt work for us. It sounds like you've got some real good business savvy about you. A lot of I'm hearing coming through from you is really business focused. You know, how am I going to establish the business, which sounds logical when I say it out loud, but that's not how a lot of law firms are run. A lot of law firms are run selling time and selling knowledge, whereas that's definitely not the approach that you've taken. Have you had a business mentor or business advice or have you just figured this out for yourself as you go along? I studied business and law as my double degree. Um, there we as go. In, as, and I always studied business management. And I probably ha- like always took more. In fact, I paused my law degree when I was at school after I'd finished the business component because I wasn't sure I wanted to go in and practice. So I guess I have always had that kind of um, yes. that business ethic around things. And even as a junior lawyer, I was always super conscious of what was my budget what was I was I earning enough to make myself a valuable proposition to the firm? So part of it, I think, is just a, an infinite, you know, what's a learned ethos in terms of having done the business degree, but also something that I think I've demonstrated even as a junior lawyer and throughout my career. And it's something that always, I think, made me valuable to law firms was the fact that I was I was interested in growing my practice. I was interested in how to market myself and how to set myself apart from others. But then... As I got into this, deciding to go out on my own, part of, uh, you know, I did have great mentors. Lawyers can find themselves always surrounding themselves with other lawyers. There's lots that we can learn from startup methodology and the startup ecosystem. And it's astounding how many resources are around once you get into that ethos and that methodology around and really looking at most lawyers, they finish law school and they think, I'm a lawyer, so I should charge X for my expertise now. And I talked about this actually talking about the difference between new law and traditional law in my view not too long ago where I was saying I think that's where traditional law starts from. I'm a lawyer so I should be able to charge X and then hopefully the clients come. Whereas we start from what's the problem the client, everything's client-centric. So what's the problem the client is having? How can we solve their problem in a unique way? And And part of that then is how do we fix a price around that that the market's going to bear but also makes us profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I got into the startup you know, world and, and UTS Startups has been a, a fantastic opportunity for us. So I'm a UTS alumni. Um, they've run this great program, UTS Startups, where you get a weekly check-in or a fortnightly or monthly check-in with mentors. And they're not lawyers. The people that I'm meeting with are not lawyers. They're, mm-hmm. they're business-savvy people that have been involved in the startup ecosystem. If you had to choose just one piece of advice to give to someone who wants to do law differently, what would that be? It would be concentrating on the why. Why do you want to do it differently? What's the problem that you're solving? Why is that any different? Why is your solution the right solution? And why is that any different than anybody else? And I think if you can be really clear on the why, it's going to stop you making mistakes like leaving traditional practice for the wrong reasons, you know, for example, thinking that it means you're going to have all this extra time. <laughs> necessarily. But I think if you're clear about your why, your personal why, why you're going out and doing these things, it will cause you to stop and think about every single part along the way. Like why get practice management software? Why do we need to have that? Like do, do you have to have a 
it's just always coming back to the why. Sounds like some very, very good advice. Thank you, Carly, for joining us. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you for having me. That's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love to ask two favors from you. First, please tell your friends. If you know of someone who you think might enjoy listening to the podcast or might learn something from one of my guests, I'd love it if you could share the episode with them. And the other thing I would love to ask is if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a rating and review. I love hearing what people think about the show and it really helps other people to find out about the podcast as well. See you next time. Bye.